I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And you are currently listening to a mini-episode. Congratulations! I was going to say congratulations, but it's okay. It's your turn to talk. Uh, We're going to, as always, we try to promise you that we are going to get this shit done. I feel like we should stop saying that. I know. I feel like people don't believe us now. No, they don't. We said it too many times. Let's try to prove it. So let's just get right into it, shall we? All right, yes. Let's jump right in. All right. So I was reading about the Netroots Convention, and I read two very conflicting articles, which was very interesting to me. So for those of you who don't know, the Netroots Convention is an early showcase for Democrats considering a run for president in 2020. And then I think it's also a lot of other, like, Democratic um, politicians and things like that, where they talk about their shit. And in this article on BuzzFeed, I read about that talk there uh, revolved around intersectionality, socialism, and a blending of anti-establishment and anti-Wall Street sentiment with calls for racial and economic justice. The discussions at Netroots showed how far we've come with their progressive views since the Democratic primary between Hillary and Bernie. Uh, (laughs) Someone said, and I don't remember who... um, Republicans are going to call us socialists no matter what we do, so we might as well give them the real thing. And so I read this, and it's like, oh my gosh, like we're becoming so progressive and like socialists, and uh, they're not going to be afraid of those labels. And then I saw on HuffPost... Well, well here's the thing. like, yeah, uh, Republicans are going to call Democrats socialists no yeah. matter what they do. But I also feel like they've been playing into the hands of that, like, trying so hard not to be called socialists. That's actually been, like, counterintuitive for them. But, yeah, they're saying now they're going to, like, steer into the skid. I mean, I hope so, because what we've seen thus far and why I think um, a lot of young people don't feel confident in, you know, 
the Democratic Party yeah. in general is that on the right, they are very, very, very far right. Yeah. On the quote-unquote left, if we're talking Republican versus Democrat, Democrat yeah. they're far more moderate. And they yeah. will always lean into more moderate candidates when they have a choice, or they yeah, have in I the feel past. Like, I feel like it's a more tentative left. You know what I mean? It's not so much of like a, a radical left is not right, going to be chosen as the prime yeah. candidate. It, I mean, right. I hope that they change their tune. Yeah, the it way would be great. they treated Bernie in the primaries, it was, was like... Bullshit. It, yeah, it was it was total bullshit, and it was like when you have the option between like fresh blood, new candidate who is pretty far left, and an old school politician. Yeah, and already known. Yeah, lots of yeah. money, lots of I backing. Just, That's who like you're going to go with. Was still, so much more of a risk because she wasn't as likable. But they obviously didn't feel that way. Yeah, because but it's interesting. They backed her so hard. They did very hard, but it's just you know seeing it from my perspective like at the time I just remember thinking that was more of a risk because I saw Donald Trump being more afraid of Bernie Sanders but anyways moving forward on that I saw this other article on HuffPost where there was this Black Lives Matter group called they were calling themselves the Black Ass Caucus which I love <laughs> and they were disappointed in how Netroots Nation treated black conference goers and panelists they walked onto stage to detail their grievances over about 15 minutes, the black activists faulted the conference for scheduling panel discussions on black activism in the same time slots, called out interpersonal slights from white conference goers, and lamented conference attendees' lack of diversity and inadequate representation of New Orleans attendees. So this was held in New Orleans. Uh, and they were mostly upset by the lack of official recognition and scheduled time for black caucus to meet during the weekend. And you see, to me then... It starts to feel like lip service from the Democratic Party. That's what I'm saying. Is yeah. that they're saying this thing, but it's like we have to look at who's saying these things. And I also found it interesting because it, it goes to show you where you get your news sources and how you go about finding the things that you're reading. Because there was no mention of negativity whatsoever in the BuzzFeed article that I read. And then as I'm putting in Netroots into Google just to see whatever what other new stuff is about it to get a more clear picture of what was happening, I'm starting to see all this Black Lives Matter stuff is like the first thing that's showing up. Right. So I'm like, why wasn't that discussed? Because of who wrote whole? because of who wrote the article. Totally. And yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's it's proof that we do need to do, you know, a lot of research to be able to see the full picture and it was definitely a wake-up call for me on that because sometimes I'm like oh I read this thing and that's it the end right well I mean and it's it's all a matter of perspective right yeah. the person who wrote that article the BuzzFeed article truly I'm sure believed that it was yeah, super diverse I'm not saying it was malicious no, I'm just saying but, like but that or purposeful it, it's not malicious or purposeful but it is insidious in a way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because what it is, is it's your privilege of being able to be like, but they said diversity, so it's all good. So it's good, Without yeah. looking at it even an inch under the surface further than that, you yeah. know? Well, going forward, there was a man, Ashton P. Woods, who was quoted as saying, I am not a number. We are not a number. And he goes on to say... Um, he talked about white attendees who had interrupted conversations, ignored the black conference goers, and asked rude questions about what the black participants are quote-unquote doing there. Woods said the conference organizers boast that 67% of the panelists of color amounted to quote-unquote tokenization. And I guess they did have a large amount of 
panelists of color from what I understood from this article. But I think that wasn't the point that he was trying to make. It's like they did invite more people of color, it sounds like. But he was upset by the way that those people of color were being treated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like they double booked a lot of events. So that, Yeah, it didn't so give that them the opportunity. Yeah, so that not all people of color could attend all events by speakers of color. Exactly. Yeah. And, and they didn't give them what they felt the adequate uh, platform to be able to speak about their needs and their wants. So when the Black Ass Caucus asked the audience to threaten not to go to next year's convention unless it was more attuned to the needs of black Americans and local residents, the attendees shouted, yes! So about the local attendees, um, Tabitha Mustafa is quoted as saying, the only folks from New Orleans who were here were working the door. Oh. Yeah, so that to me is like a big, like there, there really were not many people that were like from... New Orleans that we're working with. Then why even have it there? It's so strange. Yeah, it is weird. And I guess it's going to be in Philadelphia next year, and they were just saying, like, unless there's more inclusivity, like, who here is not going to come? And it does feel tokenizing to have these... Look at all of these people of color here. Right. We're not going to let you listen to them, but look at them. Well, I mean, and to have them in predominantly black communities or Mm -hmm. cities like both Philadelphia and New Orleans are very black cities Mm -hmm. and so it feels tokenizing to be like we're gonna do it in an urban progressive black area yeah which but which does seem very like purposeful it does yeah yeah it feels calculated calculated. Yeah. yeah and it might not you know it's it's white people white peopling the best they can, right? Like right. they they're just like we we're we're trying. Yeah. I don't know how to do this, so well, let's just have it in a black place. That's well, good, right? No, and that's just the thing and and I think that that is another root of the problem is that it's not just about white people white peopling the best they can to be inclusive. You actually have to have people of color helping you organize these things. Right. They need to be in the conversation. Yeah. Right. It's not just enough to invite the people there. They needs there needs to be more people of color that are a part of the whole planning process Mm -hmm. because and I don't know if there was or was not you know I don't know the details of that but I feel like if there was somebody um, who was there to be more vocal about how they felt that the conference should be run as far as if you are going to make this a progressive thing how to really make it inclusive for everybody yeah that maybe it would have been a little bit different I don't know maybe it wouldn't have been maybe they wouldn't have even listened to that person I don't know Yeah. But I found that interesting, especially the reason that I wanted to specifically share that, too, is because of the two very different articles that I read. For sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's interesting. And it's also a reminder, again, I know we talked about this in the swearing episode that just came out, um, but it is also, again, a reminder to check your sources, you know, check who's writing what. Read the whole article. Read several articles so you can get several different perspectives on it, because probably... Um, your truth might be somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. of between all of that, you know. And I think it's going to make us less divided if we are willing to read from many different perspectives right. and many different with sides. an openness, yeah. Right. Even if it's still, you know, this these are both on the left that we're reading, right? But it's two very different sides of the left. Well, it's yes, yeah, the difference I mean? it's the difference between Democrats and socialists. You know, exactly. I mean, you're both on the left, but they're very different ideologies. They're very different so, when you come down to it. Yeah, even if you're not, you know, necessarily reading far right and far left, at least make sure that you have some diversity, no pun intended, in the articles that you're yeah. reading. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about Johnny Depp. Poor, oh, God. Wait, why are you saying poor Johnny Depp? No, not poor Johnny Depp, but, like, this situation, (laughs) 
it's really more poor me because <laughs> I because you like Johnny Depp. A I lot. I used to. Yeah, I same. loved him so well, much. Like I wasn't like this fangirl over him like some of my friends were, but I, I did was really like him for sure. Like I wasn't I a totally fangirl over necessarily like him, but I, again, it was the idea of Johnny Depp was oh, so sure. like appealing to Johnny me. Johnny Depp and Winona Ryder for me was like yeah, they were like a 90s thing. super couple. I love Winona Ryder so much. So for me, I was like, ah, oh, so pretty. Yeah, yeah, and he was just beautiful. Yeah, and oh god, he was a really hot, such young a man. handsome man. And so I am mourning the loss. Okay, <laughs> of Johnny Depp <laughs> because you, he is a dumpster fire. Um, <laughs> truly, no, he's a for real, dumpster he's fire of a worst. human being. Yeah. Um, so a couple of months ago, Rolling Stone wrote that article about him, basically like detailing his life. Well, not detailing his life, but they sent a reporter, kind uh-huh. of like almost famous style, to go live with Johnny Depp in his house for like a couple of days. I'm surprised that he was cool with that. Well, I don't think, I think like... he's very out of touch with reality. Right. Um. So this guy went there and was just like, wrote this article and it made Johnny Depp look horrible. Tell me about it, because I know that he was doing some movie and it's been like indefinitely paused. Yes, that's what we're going to talk about, but okay. it, it's partially because of this article. Right, tell like me about he it. this guy went and stayed there and he was like it was the weirdest experience. Like he's so out of touch with reality. He just talks about himself constantly. Mm. He drinks all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just like drinking and drugs and it got to the point where like he was supposed to stay with Johnny Depp for as long as Johnny Depp was awake, sleep when Johnny's asleep so that you can really like see what his lifestyle oh is God. like. And it got to the point where Johnny Depp was not sleeping. He was, like, staying up at all hours to where this writer was like, I have to go to bed. Yeah. Like, that's how it got. It was like, he was living this vampiric kind of existence. Yeah. And there are lots of weird, bizarre quotes and things that happened in that article. Well, yeah, if he's not sleeping and drinking and doing drugs. Right, I mean, and at like, one he's point... he's probably on, like, speed or cocaine, and the writer is not, and he's like, I need to sleep, and Johnny's like, I'm good! At one point, the the reporter was like, um, so there are these rumors that you spend, like, $100,000 a month on wine. Like, do you want to comment on that? And he's like, I spend way more than that on wine. And you're like, what the fuck? That's such a Johnny Depp response, though. Like, he's so, like, aloof about stuff, I feel like. And he wants to, like, build a tunnel between all of his houses. He's got, like, 12 houses, like, some overseas, some in the United States. What the fuck? And he wants to build tunnels, that underground tunnels that connect them all. He, It's just bizarre. And, like, the reporter at the end was like... He sounds psychotic. Like, he's in some sort of, like, well, alternate reality. I think, I think addiction, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um But the reporter at one point said at the end of the article, he was like, I looked around the room and I realized everyone in that room was getting paid by Johnny Depp. Like, I don't think he has friends. It's all just like he surrounds himself with yes men. It's the idea of Johnny Depp. It's not Johnny Depp. And, you know, for me, he was canceled as soon as I found out. It was Amber Heard was her name, right? Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. was abusing his well, wife. I think that was the beginning of the end for for well, Johnny Depp. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that he's done stuff before then, but we were in a different well, world, I don't, I don't and know. atmosphere, and I feel like because I feel like I've heard stuff about him where I was just I, I don't know. I hadn't, and his ex wives and girlfriends, including Winona Ryder. This is why people didn't believe Amber Heard. I have to give one. I have to chastise Winona Ryder. No, a little Winona bit on Ryder that. has been pro- problematic. I'm yeah, not gonna because that. she yeah. she and his ex wife and. 
his ex-wife, Vanessa Paradis, they came forward and were like, he was never violent with us. He never had an issue with us. So I really do think that maybe after his marriage to Vanessa Paradis fell apart, his addiction went out of control. Because after that is when he started developing violent tendencies. Right. He could have had some sort of, like, emotional or, you know, some sort of weird... Sure, but... reason they're exes. You know, there might be some things that, Yeah, but they were together for, like, 12 years, and I don't necessarily attribute that to to any kind of abuse. I think that sometimes people just grow apart, and that's that's fine. But, and to my knowledge, I don't know that he had any major... Not on set was it reported, and not in these relationships did they report that he was ever violent. So that's why I really believe that his addiction has spiraled out of control. Yeah. Because he has now been violent on two movie sets, and I do believe Amber Heard when she says that he was violent towards her. Um, Yeah, I I 100% believe her Yeah. So... Um, Johnny Depp's movie about the murder of notorious B.I.G. City of Lies has been pulled a month before its scheduled release, Variety reports. The film was supposed to open September 7th, but is now undated, according to a spokesperson for the distribution company. Who was he playing in this movie? I think he was playing, like, a detective. Oh. He was, like, trying to solve Biggie's murder. I'm honestly so bored with his acting, because... I am, too. It's the same. The same. Mm-hmm. Like, he was the worst part of Into the Woods. I was so excited about Into the Woods, and I love that play, and I saw it, and I was like, Johnny Depp. He just plays varying degrees of weird in every... In and every... of himself, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, like, there's nothing great about it. Yeah. Um, City of Lies is based on Randall Sullivan's book, Labyrinth, The Detective Investigates the Murder of Tupac Shakur and Notorious uh, B.I.G., Blah, 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 blah. That's a long title. That is a long title. <laughs> Labyrinth. A detective investigates the murders of Tupac Shakur and Notorious B.I.G., the implication of Death Row Records, Suge Knight, and the origins of the Los Angeles police scandal. That's Wait. a title of a book. <laughs> that is way too long. Oh, my God. Did you read this book, The Detective of the Notorious B.I.G.? No. I would never read that book. If your book is longer than, like, Four or five words. You mean the title, not the book? Do you hear the title? <laughs> the whole book. Um, Speaking of book reading, we've been talking about how we've been wanting to read books more. I'm, like, halfway through a book that I started the other day. When I had my, like, full day off yesterday, I, like, got through this book. What so is it? It's just called, it's called Hysteria. It's this easy, oh. true crime, whatever book. It's uh-huh. nothing, like, super dense or anything. It sounds familiar. But I'm glad that I'm actually, like, reading a book. So I just totally. want to, like, chime in really quick. Continue. <laughs> um, so the decision to yank City of Lies comes one month after former location manager Greg Rocky Brooks sued Depp for alleged assault. According to Brooks... Depp punched him twice in the ribs and verbally assaulted him on set. The crew member also claimed that he was fired from City of Lies after refusing to sign a non-disclosure agreement that would have prevented him from suing Depp. Brooks is seeking unspecified damages. So he essentially, like, punched this guy in the ribs. And from what I understand, it was like, it was something like he was getting to film this scene. Johnny Depp was getting to film a scene in this movie. Or, um, film, direct a scene in this movie. And... They were like, okay, we need to get off of this location. We need to close this set. And this guy was um, a location manager. And he's like, we need, we need to move on. And they were like, well, you can't tell Johnny Depp that you need to move on. Oh, because they were like, he's going to like lose his shit on you. So Greg uh, Brooks went to cops or security that was there. And he was like, hey, 
I don't want to deal with Johnny Depp, like, but we need to, like, close this set down. Can you go tell him that? And Johnny Depp overheard him (laughs) and lost his shit and basically started this, like, big man fight and, like, punched him in the ribs and fucking, like, kicked him or something. And, And then was, like, basically, like, hit me back, hit me back, do it, do it, like, hit me back. And, like, he wouldn't. Yeah. Of course. So he didn't. Um... But all of that sounds like such toxic, shitty behavior. Yeah, it's very childish. So, in addition to the City of Lies suit, Depp is reportedly facing a lawsuit from two former bodyguards who claim the actor didn't pay them properly and put them in toxic situations. Yeah. In July, Depp uh, settled a multi-million dollar lawsuit with his former business managers, whom he accused of gross misconduct. This shit needs to come out, though. Honestly, like, there are so many people that I know personally and stories that I've heard where they are working for celebrities in a personal manner, like a bodyguard or a nanny or an assistant, and they are being treated horribly. Like, absolute garbage. But with, like, non-disclosure agreements or with just, like, being basically manipulated into feeling like you can't share those things. Yeah. And then finally coming forward and having, like, this ball drop on you because you share, because you, you're tainting the name of this person or things like that. Yeah, that that, that person tainted their own fucking name and we need to be holding celebrities and athletes and all these people in the spotlight accountable. accountable. Because they've been living in this world where they can get away with things for far too long. So, of course, they are. Yeah. They are, because because that's how society has set it yeah. up. I mean, think of all the people with money and celebrities. I mean, Lindsay Lohan going through the court system. Yeah, like, or, she slipped through the cracks of all of that so Or many even times. if you talk about, um, even if they're not celebrities, but let's talk about the middle of the country football players, high school football players. Look at how much shit they get away with. Yeah. Anytime you're Rock given <laughs> this kind of like, yeah, this pass yeah. because you have this quote unquote talent or whatever. Chris Brown, look at all this shit that these people get yeah. away with. It's 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 insane. slowly becoming not as like Accepted. Yeah, yeah. but slowly. <laughs> um, De- Depp's next film, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of uh, Grindelwald, is scheduled to open November 16th. However, fans of the Harry Potter spinoff series have criticized the decision to cast Depp in the film after his ex-wife, Amber Heard, For real. accused him and of I physical and verbal abuse. And I can't believe... J.K. Yeah. Rowling basically defended Has the decision. Defended him. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like, what is happening? I have long since determined that J.K. Rowling is is problematic. She she it's, should be an episode of your fave is problematic, it honestly. It sucks because like God, Harry Potter. And she's amazing in a lot of ways. Like yeah. she's very, you know, philanthropic and like she does a lot of really cool stuff, but at the same time, she also does a lot of really shady questionable shit too, yeah. where it's like, um, and, and that was one of them. I'm bummed out because I fucking love Harry Potter. Yeah. I adore I Harry Potter. I still haven't seen the first Fantastic Beasts. I did, and I loved it. I really yeah. enjoyed it. I, I'm Johnny Depp is one of those that I just can't Well, I didn't even watch. know he was in it, because he doesn't make an appearance until the last scene of the movie. You don't see him. He He's in the trailer, because I've seen the trailer at a few movies that I've gone I to. didn't see the trailer for the first Fantastic Beasts? He, oh. No, it was a surprise. I don't think most anyone... No, in, in the new one. Oh, I've in the new the one, yes, because yeah. he's revealed at the end of the first Fantastic Beasts. Oh. Like, you don't know it's him, and then it's, like, the last oh. scene you, like, realize that John, that's Johnny Depp, and then he's in the... Because he's Grindelwald, so he's yeah. in the whole next movie. No, I yeah. like Grindelwald a lot. You like Grindelwald? Well, like, the story. Oh, okay. I was like, it you me, like wait. Grindelwald. Yeah, Grindelwald is um the one that... That Dumbledore was in love with, right? Yes, but he's evil. No, he's fucking evil, but I like that whole story. That's what I mean. I also think J.K. Rowling is leaving out the the romance 
in the movie, too. So it's like, that also sucks. Then don't write it in the fucking book. I don't know, dude. I don't know. Take it up with JK. <laughs> Yo, JK, what we doing? Okay, let's talk about other things. All right, so the last thing that I want to kind of touch on is... Are we doing good? Yeah. <gasps> oh, my God. Okay. So we're recording on a Tuesday. Yesterday was the season finale of The Bachelorette. I know. Sure. I know. I wouldn't be bringing this up. I know. I know. But if, we still love it. I don't watch any of it, but I like reading the articles about I don't it. even love it. Like, that's the thing. I watched my very first Bachelor season when it was Rachel Berry. Rachel Berry. <laughs> that doesn't seem right. It's Glee. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> that's not her name. Um, I can't remember her last name. But when it was Rachel, the first black Bachelorette. I don't know. So I, was I remember like, her face, but I don't remember. I mean, I never watched it, so I don't know. The girls at work were like, let's all watch this together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you wore the costume with the name. Yeah. And yeah. they were like, it's the first black Bachelorette. Like, let's watch. Let's do. Let's yeah, watch it together. Let's celebrate. So I did. And it was like mildly entertaining. The episodes are all together way too long. I oh, don't, yeah. Each episode's like fucking two hours. Yeah. With this season finale being three hours. Ugh! Which is what insane. What is the time? I don't know. If you, at this point, when I watch I on Hulu... I want some of that time. When I watch on Hulu at this point, I skip forward. That's yeah. what I did. Yeah. Um, All through this season because I'm just like, I fucking couldn't handle it. Then but why did you watch it at all? Because... Again, it's like a bonding thing at work. We watch oh, it, we talk right, about it, right. or whatever. So we watched the last season of The Bachelor. It was incredibly boring and terrible, but he broke picks, this girl's Yeah, heart. he picks a girl at the end, and she thinks everything's great, and they're, like, engaged or whatever. And then he's like, um, JK, I actually made the wrong decision, and I want to marry the other girl. It's so shitty. So he leaves her. I saw but, one of, like, the first episodes where, like, she takes this guy of oh, The Bachelorette. Where uh-huh. She takes this guy on a date, and the date is basically, like, a breaking warehouse shit. where they're breaking shit. Yeah, and it's, well, what is it, turned down for what? Being played or whatever? That, yeah, because I'm like, Lil John's there. That would suck to be that guy. I'd be like, I don't want to do this. Like, well, he must have been into it because he was one of the two in the finale. Really? Yes, Blake. Oh, my gosh. So. I liked, what was the guy, one of her first, I literally watched this because I was in the nail salon and that was the only thing on the TV. Uh-huh. But there was someone, like, who was really, really, like, sweet and kind and genuine. I don't remember his name, but she kissed him. She kisses all of them, I so know, who fucking I know. knows? <laughs> there was the, the mo- I've heard about the model because he was a piece of shit. Oh my god, uh, yeah, he was a piece of shit, but he was also entertaining in a way that I need in my TV shows. Mm. I need in my drama shows. This is why I'm watching this shit. If it's too boring, then I'm I'm not into it. But anyway, so it's too real. So things came out pretty early on that the person she gave the first impression rose to. It came out that he had liked a bunch of shit on Instagram, right? That was like. Basically from, like, far-right Instagram accounts. Oh. Like, he had liked um, a thing saying that David Hogue from Parkland was a crisis actor. He liked a picture of, like, um, a border agent throwing a Mexican baby over the wall. <gasps> he liked things that were talking about, like, feminazis. Like, all kinds of really fucked-up shit. Transphobic stuff. He sounds great. And... Let's give him a call. Let's be his bestie. Well... So that went down, right? And I kind of got, I was like, oh, no. I was getting weird vibes because it was like second week of Bachelorette when all that shit came out. And they asked her about it. And, of course, she can't give anything away. But she, her answers were very, like, worrisome where she was just Uh like, just watch it and kind of, like, find out, determine for yourself. People change, et cetera, et cetera. This motherfucker won the season. (gasps) 
<gasps> she ended up with him at the end. No. And is he the one too that was like, some people give me butterflies, you give me eagles. Oh my god. <laughs> That's the other thing about this guy. He is... And she's like, he's such a poet. I just read this stuff. Like, I don't know anything. He is so stupid. His name is Garrett, right? Garrett. Yeah. So dumb, too. Like, look, he can be, like, a sweet, dumb guy. Like, that's fine. But he's he's not. Mm-hmm. He's a racist. Racist, dumb guy. And... We don't like racist, dumb people. Well, I mean, and maybe he's just really dumb, and so he just doesn't think for himself at all, and, like, that's what he's surrounded by, but his his apology, quote-unquote, was so fucking weak because it's like, these likes are not representative of who I am as yes, a person, they are, and I'm because like... because you liked them. And to me, that's almost more representative of who you are than posting something shitty. Yeah. Because if you just like something shitty, or six, seven, eight shitty things on Instagram that are all, like, alt-right fucking horrible things, that's more indicative of your character than posting things, in my opinion, because you thought that you weren't going to find, like... Yeah, you didn't think that people were going to find out. Like, and you did it kind of, like, absentmindedly because you thought the shit was funny. Well, and you know that it's going to be, like, less easy to to figure out. Yeah. And that you're getting away with it and that it, yeah. But... So last I'm night, just repeating it was just what you said. it was just <laughs> shitty because it was like not that I'm a huge Bachelor fan. Or, it's just hard to watch somebody choose someone that you know is like a piece of shit. And she is like not that way at all. Like on her social, well, you would think she's not that way at all because on her social media, it's like she campaigned for Hillary. She's out there in her like pussy hat at you know women's marches and shit so you would think in she real would care. life that guy too would want nothing to do with her but because it's the bachelorette and because they're getting all this publicity look we don't know what they're like behind closed doors we don't know if if she's really that progressive or whatever we but don't i'm know. also like look ma'am if you but if he's really so anti-fem and i'll see like in real life if you were to meet this girl he'd be like uh bye yeah. I get well, that you have a lot of glittery dresses, but, but bye. But maybe he can deal with that aspect of her because she is, like, white and, like, straight-laced in every other way that's acceptable to him. She's not, like, a Latina. It's not like he ended up on Rachel's season with the first black bachelorette, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's, like, you know, it's right. It's one of those he things. He can still appear to be a certain way for both teams, kind of. Well, and her, I'm just, like... She almost made him out to be a victim, being like, and he has had such horrible things said to him throughout this process, and he's just learning Um, and growing and changing, and I believe that people can change, and I'm just like... Okay, I believe that people can change, too. But Parkland happened earlier this year. People can't change that fast, dude. That's not that long ago. And a lot of that, it it takes a lot of work to undo. And a lot of that stuff to me is, is, it's not like it's unforgivable, but it's... It's so repulsive to me that anything short of saying I denounce his beliefs. Yeah. And I need him to acknowledge that and give a real apology because he never did. It's not right. Is not enough. Um, so yeah, I'm done with I'm done with you, Becca. I didn't really like you anyway. You were kind yeah. of boring this season, but Ugh. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> My God. So do we want to read some Sister Solidarity stories, maybe? Yeah. Well, I have a Sister Solidarity story. You have a coming out story. Is that cool if that's how we do it? Sure. Whichever way you want. So this person didn't say if they want to be anonymous or not, so I'm going to leave them anonymous. Hello. I wanted to share a Sister Solidarity story, so here we go. 
I was feeling super duper sick as a result of some really bad anxiety. The anxiety took a toll and I was so nauseous that I literally could not move a muscle without the risk of throwing up. As a person who never ever misses school, missing an entire week was the absolute worst. I hated not being able to see my friends every day as they are the highlight of it. Knowing this, my friend surprised me by coming over after school on Friday with tons of movies, books, flowers, snacks, and tea to spill in order to make me feel better. It was so great to see that I have such amazing friends who truly love me. Girl, I feel. This is literally me in high school, for real. Like, I had so many days where I was so overcome with my anxiety and depression that I could not get out of bed, that I just everything hurt and I felt sick all the time I completely understand what she's feeling and my friends were my lifeline and that's why I will always be so eternally grateful for those people and so the fact that this person has those people in their life like that brought a lot back for me and made me feel so good that people are becoming more and more understanding of yeah, maybe this person isn't sick with the flu. They're understanding that you can be sick with your anxiety. Yeah. And have it be just as valid. Or even if you're just sad. Like, I remember right. I... Um, it wasn't in high school. It was after I moved here, and my grandma passed away, and I left work early. And it was just... It, it was at a time when I was living alone, and it was just crying alone in my apartment. Yeah. And my girlfriends from work... All that day, like later that day, I got a um, delivery of flowers to my door. Oh my gosh! And because all, all my girlfriends at work had like, you know, pitched in and bought me yeah. a bouquet of flowers, and it was, it was really like special to know that like, you weren't alone, and like in that it was just a tiny act, to kind of like make you feel a little bit better, exactly. you know. And the fact that like they come over with like all this great stuff, and they're like, "So you missed a week of school." Here's the gossip. Mm-hmm. Here's what's going on. That's what now I cared about. All, yeah, because it helps you get your mind off of it things does. too. You're yeah. like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted to yeah, hear. Totally. So I necessarily wasn't like, oh man, I'm missing school. I'd be like, fuck school, whatever. Um, I'm missing my friends. Yeah. Yeah, I was missing my friends, and so I'm so you know I'll take this chance to say how eternally grateful I am for the people that have literally saved my life. Yeah. On multiple occasions. And, um... Just knowing people care about you is so important. And that they get you in those individual specific ways. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Like, they came over and gave her exactly what she needed at that time. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's awesome. so amazing. So, I really enjoyed that story. It kind of took me back, like, ten years to my high school self. Thank you so much for writing in. Thank you. All right. I got a coming out story. I love it. Hey, girls. I listen to your podcast every week, and it's my absolute fave. Stop! I have a cute little coming out story I thought I'd share. I've been friends with S since I was very young, and we both went to a pretty religious school where LGBT plus issues weren't often talked about. Mm. So naturally, I was pretty worried about her reaction when I eventually came out to her. One day, I replied to her snap about having just seen Black Panther, such a great movie. Yes. (laughs) And of course, that was her saying that, not me. No, I know. Although, also me. Uh, Yeah, right? Um, Didn't we have like three episodes in a row where we talked about Fucking yeah, we did. (laughs) If not more than that. No regrets. No regrets. Um, And of course, we got to talking about Michael B. Jordan, because Mm. hot. Okay. Thirst. Uh, thir- such thirst. Such um, thirst. But although, okay, so I have that thing with the holes. 
that freaks me Ooh, out. You know. He's got the, the oh yeah, I don't like shoes on his chest. That I couldn't. The it scarification. Was, yeah. Not a fan of that. Yeesh. No, but he's still hot in that movie. Ooh, damn. Um, so they're talking about Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> I slid into the conversation about how. Even though I was a lesbian, I still appreciated how hot he was in that movie. And she replied with something like, cool, and went back to thirsting over him. Yeah. It was kind of a small thing, but it really meant a lot knowing she was cool with my identity. Thanks, Scout. But, like, isn't that exactly how it should be? It's it like, is. I, like, we talked about Black Panther for so long. I also talked about Love, Simon for so long, where they have that scene where they're like, imagine if you had to come out to your parents that you were heterosexual. Right. Where it's like, that's how it should be. That it's right. not this big celebration or coming out. It should just be like, don't make assumptions about people's sexuality and just let them be who they're going to be. So if you say I'm a lesbian, it's like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Which is what it sounds like yeah. your friend was. And as someone who went to Catholic school, that's pretty amazing. I mean, granted, I didn't go to a Catholic high school or anything when most people's sexualities were being discussed. But, um, you know, growing up in the Catholic church, that's pretty amazing for somebody to be so... Yeah, which is why I understand why it, it. it's so difficult or scary to kind of, like, casually drop something like that in. She must have been shaking when she sent that. Like, that is a bold or in the response moments, to a Snapchat. In the moments between, like... Sending it When you receiving. send it and you're, like, waiting and you see those, like, three little dots, like, waiting for, like, a response <laughs> and you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and, I, yeah, I, I grew up in a very religious community, like, Bible Belt all the way, very, yeah. very solidly. And that kind of thing, it would be really, really scary. And yes. Sh- and the friend gave the best response you possibly could give. Yeah. Which that's is just, almost- like... Awesome. That's almost better than being like, oh my god, thank you for trusting. I mean, which that is great too. I'm not yeah. down. However, you, you know, respond is is, is great. You know. But like the fact that it was just so casual, like, casual. It didn't like, need to be. But I feel like that's what we're moving towards. And in, I, I hope. Keegan, yeah. I really hope it. I hope that Generation towards. Z and whatever follows. I hope it just gets easier and easier. Yeah. And I hope for us and the generations um, older than us, and I do include us in this because. I think we still have tendencies because of the way that we were raised. Right. It's, I, it's your parents, too, who are yeah. raising you that affect how you think. Yeah. I, so I hope that our generation and the older generations um, can adapt to yeah. to not putting those kinds of, like... Because what we do with babies is so strange, where we're just like, oh, he's, he's a little heartbreaker. All the girls, he's going to have to beat the girls off with a stick. He's yeah. an infant. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, have you seen that meme where it's like a little, she's a toddler, and she's doing what toddler babies do, which they, that she's, she was laying on her, and you can tell the dad thought this was really funny. There was a picture of this baby, like, laying on her back on the bed with her legs spread apart. Yeah. Just, like, you know, oh, kicking her this. legs it's up. Like, and mm-hmm. he grabs her ankles and closes her ankles, and he's like, not today. Like, basically being, like, she, like, pushing her legs together, basically being, like... That's so fucked it's up. It's bloody for As your... child. For your eight-month-old to have her legs spread. It's it's so weird to sexualize children. Well, especially children. because, like, babies are discovering their bodies and their body's ability. Like, you have to let them kind of move and do things. Like, But here's the thing. I... I 
I doubt that this dad always. I mean, most adults know that, like that their that their babies are stretching. Right. But he's the trying fact to be that silly. he thought it was funny yeah. is a problem. Yeah. Because it is this kind it's of subconscious it. sexualizing of children, right. and I feel like we need to stop doing that so we can allow kids to grow into who they are, yes. and then tell us what what's going on with them. So. You know, like, we can't just... They would be less afraid to come out if yeah. we weren't just like, I can't wait make... for you to find the right guy. I can't wait for you to... You know, but thank you so much. Um, she signed that as Scout. Uh-huh. So Which I felt I was like... like oh, yeah, I, 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 felt, I felt like it was okay to, to say that, kind yeah. of. Um, so thank you so much, Scout, That's for writing in. Name. We so appreciate it. I'm going to name my baby Scout. Scout. <laughs> Boy or girl, Scout. Yeah, we need more sister solidarity stories all the time. We need more coming out stories. If you just want to say hey, if you want to um, ask us questions about ourselves or you want to share something or just, like, let us know. Like, this is something that I would really love, too, to just, like, let us know something good that's happened to you this week. Yeah, I can always use more good news. Right? Because a lot of times with, like, our What's in the News episodes, it can be very... Heavy. Heavy, down. So I feel like just share the good shit that's happening in your lives. Agreed. Because I personally really love it when people reach out to me and are talking about something great. Yeah, totally. So you can do that um, via email at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist, on Twitter at Yamf Podcast, Y-A-N-F Podcast, and you can also find us on Facebook. Yep. Yeah. Thank you, Annie, for posting something on Facebook. My oh my God. God, yes. We so appreciate that, and hey. we, will, we will talk about that at another time. Yes. Annie, we it saw is, it. It is. We saw it. We did not have time to read the entire thing. So... Put put a what is it? Put a pin in it. Put a pin in that. Yeah. We'll remember it. Um I'm fucking exhausted. Me too. I can't tell. And I've just had a whole glass of wine, so I'm like Bleh. I'm very, very tired. Yeah. Alright. Well, we love you guys, and I guess with that we just encourage you, you know? To, to rage, rage on. on. Bye guys. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.